It's your American patriot, DJ Drew Shelton. With insight and analysis of today's rapidly shifting world, we welcome you to the Jewess Patriot Show. Talk Radio's premier Jewish activist, Cindy Gross. Featuring exclusive interviews with today's top newsmakers and trendsetters. Remember, you don't have to be Jewish to be with Cindy. And now, coming from our WGBB studios in the tri-state area, your Jewess patriot, Cindy Gross. Hello, and welcome to the Jewess patriot. I am your host, Cindy Gross. Today's premier Jewish activist, and you don't have to be Jewish to be a part of our show, our show headlines, the news of the day, the biggest trends, and what we as common sense Americans and supporters of Israel and Judeo-Christian values around the world appreciate, respect, and work on so that our children have a wonderful future. Today's show is really centered around anti-Semitism because it is something that we as Jews around the world think about every single day, our safety, the rise in hate crimes is alarming. And we also think about it in terms of working together with our friends and supporters who support the state of Israel, who support their friends and neighbors in their states, their countries, and their communities whether or not they are black, Hispanic, Asian, all of us that want family, faith, good educations, a thriving economy, and safety with legal immigrants uh, coming into our country and loving America and supporting democracy around the world as key elements to our patriotism, whether or not you are Republican or Democratic. So I am going to do something a little different today. I am skipping my pearls of wisdom because the pearls of wisdom are really in today's show with my first guest, Scott Cushing. We have an extended conversation and a first on WGBB's The Jewess Patriot. You are meeting the assembly candidate, from Queens, the Kew Garden Hills area. Even if you don't live in Kew Garden Hills, you go to the restaurants, you go to the stores, you have friends, you have children who got married and live in that district. It is a key area where common sense voters will change the seat in September. And you're going to meet Dovid Hirsch. Sit back and stay tuned. Welcome back. Uh, as I said in uh, my introduction, this is like a new beginning for Jews around the world because we look at Tisha B'Av as a time of total mourning, and we also look at the conclusion of the services as somewhat of a new beginning of hope, of the future in a bright way. Uh, and 
today's focus is going to be on some of those bright ways and some of the things that we have to really, really work on. And joining me today is somebody who's been on the show before, but when I want to talk about anti-Semitism in a serious manner, factually, with research, and in an honest conversation, I go to one of today's who I consider one of the most important voices of anti-Semitism, not only because he's been involved in government and media for over 30 years, but because he actually believes in fighting anti-Semitism morning, noon, and night. If it could be 25-8, it would be 25-8. It's in his blood. And he does so much for the community. And he's willing to uh, stand up. And he's willing to disagree with people in public and in private meetings. So Scott Cushing, thank you so much for joining me. And I couldn't think of a better person because right now I am in such conflict with Jewish leadership, Jewish media, Jewish social media. I've been called out for my articles recently. I've been called out for other commentary and You are one person that I see as a shining star among future, present and future leadership for fighting anti-Semitism. Well, thank you very much, Cindy. It's great to be on your show. And uh, I think in these conversations, I think you have to speak truth to power, no matter how difficult it can be. And so uh, being here today is is an honor. Thank you. And... We're going to have a very extended conversation because you are involved with so many things with this. You're involved religiously, politically, in the media, um, community wise, right here on Long Island. You know, you know every Long Island district better than most candidates who are running. So you and I have had this discussion many times. It's not a secret. We read and we know that anti-Semitism is at an alarming rate of growth and it's point of scary. And in 2015, when I made the statement publicly that we are living in pre-Holocaust times, several Jewish leaders and rabbis in our community said, Cindy is a kook. She has no idea what she is talking about. It is now 2023 and I don't think I was such a kook. Tell me your thoughts about 2023, Long Island, Jewish living today. I think in 2023, we have a lot of things that are going on that lend itself to us looking at anti-Semitism and Jew hatred in a very different type of way than we ever had before. One of the things I think that people tend to forget is that Anti-Semitism takes place in many different forms. It's on social media, it's on Twitter, it's on Facebook, it's on Instagram, it's on all the different social media platforms. No social media platform is immune to what I call um, the disease of anti-Semitism and Jew hatred. But it also takes place, unfortunately, um, in the halls of our higher educational institutions. It is seeped into the workplace. It has, it manifests itself um, in sometimes in government and in how we see things and how we deal with them and how we address them. And so in 2023, I think that 
the issue of anti-Semitism and hate um, literally has not just grown, it's metastasized. And one of the reasons I think that we have such an issue with anti-Semitism and Jew hatred in particular is that there is no accountability. There is no penalty. There are too many people that look the other way. There's always an excuse. There's always an explanation. There's always a way to um, say to somebody, ah, that's not what he meant or she meant. When in actuality, that is exactly what they meant. And so when you look at New York State, for example, I sometimes feel that we live in three states. We live in upstate New York. We live in the city of New York. We live in Long Island. And they're very different platforms in each and every one of those places when you deal with anti-Semitism. Uh, just recently, we had uh, the controversy with CUNY. And the issue with CUNY with the graduation speech was fascinating because everybody saw it. And there were very interesting reactions to it. We had the reaction of the people that were sitting on the graduation platform who sat there mute and let it go on. You had the reaction of some of the students in the audience that were cheering like it was a pep rally. And then you had people who watched it from the comfort of their living room or on their iPhone or on the Internet and were horrified. And then you saw the reactions on television. What was interesting to me, and I think which is what is interesting to a lot of people, is the very fact that it wasn't until um, I would refer to as the old lie Semitism banged their fist on the table and started to really uh, put a spotlight on it. You know, one of the things that scares me about the issue of anti-Semitism, and we have talked about this in a previous show, Cindy, is that we sometimes confuse motion with progress on the issue. Because we put a post up on Instagram or on Facebook or on Twitter, our job is now done, or we've done a small video. And I want to be clear, those things do help. They do, but it's not real action as it relates to holding an institution, an individual accountable for their actions and getting a real action, a penalty, um, new legislation, uh, a reaction from the public that is equal to what has happened. Let's take a great example just recently uh, on Long Island where there were swastikas that were etched into a playground. You had a state assemblyman from the area, Assemblyman Ari Brown, who immediately brought the issue to light. And one of the interesting things I thought what the assemblyman did, which I thought was very good, was that he was not just on the site and talked about how terrible it was. He was there and he showed people and he was engaging with the public in a way that would elicit a reaction and would elicit accountability. That's the issue. It's accountability. Mm -hmm. Who is going to react to this? Who is going to investigate? Who is going to prosecute? And I think all of those things are missing, those, in, those very important ingredients in anti-Semitism. We're very easy to identify it. We, as a people, um, can point to it. We know it when we hear it. 
But what we, what do we do with it at that point? And that's the issue. And I think that activism on this issue, Jew hatred, anti-Semitism, um, the issue of social media platforming, I believe that we have a missing link. We are missing a bridge. We're missing a bridge to the activists and the, and the individuals that brought people together, demanded the action to take place with legislation and law enforcement. And we are missing that bridge to what I would refer to as today's activists who are not, with all due respect, while they are educated and while they're well-meaning and while I respect every single one of them and I applaud their efforts and I applaud the fact that they are in the fight on the level that they're in. But I would like to see, you know, remember Clara Peller in 1984, the Wendy's commercial, Walter Mondale stood up and said, where's the beef? That's where we, that's what we're dealing with right now. On this issue of any Jew hatred and anti-Semitism, we have two buns of this burger, but where's the beef? And I think that's what we're missing. We're missing it. And it's very serious. I'm going to say something that you might agree with or disagree. We both are very proud Republicans and we both feel that our party is way better than the Democrats as far as fighting anti-Semitism. I look at the Jewish community and I know it's been pretty consistent and someone had a discussion with me this week. I'll just give you an example. There was a fundraiser among Jews for Richie Torres. And they say, Cindy, how can you not support him? And my answer to you is, yes, he says the right thing when it comes to social media. But his voting record overall is with the Biden administration. And I cannot support an administration that continues to allow schools to teach things that are not true about Israel and worldwide Jewish history. I cannot support somebody who votes to keep people on the squad that call death to the Jews and the destruction of Israel. And I cannot support somebody who over and over again will vote when it comes to the Iran nuclear deal. What are your thoughts? You know, you bring up a very good point, and uh, you used a very specific name in Congressman Torres. And uh, I will say on the record that I have a lot of appreciation and respect for him. And I believe that his heart is definitely in the right place. And I believe that his words are very powerful within his community and in the Democratic Party because he does speak truth in what he says. But having said that, you bring up a very good point. You know, actions speak louder than words. And so, you know, your words have to reflect your actions as well, as well as your actions have to reflect your words. And I think the issue uh, today is that the issue of Jew hatred and anti-Semitism is not a Republican and a Democratic issue. And I believe everybody believes that. And they should believe that, by the way. Um, because it's an issue regarding hate and hate should have no home in any political party or in any, uh, part of any community. It's, it's repulsive. It's vile. 
I think, however, that we have to really speak up very loudly and, and note that Jew hatred and anti-Semitism exists on the far right and on the far left. And it is not um, does not have a home in any particular political party. But I would also say that the recent vote in the House of Representatives regarding Elon Omar is indicative of the problem. When you had a person who spewed, and let's and that's the right word, she spewed hateful things. She tweets absolutely ridiculous things. She has shown uh, a disrespect towards the state of Israel, the Jewish people, the Jewish religion, in every way, shape, manner, or form that she can. And when the House of Representatives tried to hold her, and this is an important word, I love this word, accountable. When the House of Representatives tried to find and and hold her accountable for her actions, it turned into a political vote of Republican versus Democrat. And I have to tell you something. As a Jew, as a Zionist, as someone who um, believes very deeply in our faith, I found it repulsive that something like that, our existence, our our being on this planet of Earth, was turned into a Republican versus Democrat vote is shameful and it's embarrassing. If you can't hold someone accountable like Elon Omar, then no offense, what leadership are you truly showing? And so for those people who stand up and beat their chest, whether they're Republicans or Democrats, and they say, we're going to protect the Jews, we're fighting anti-Semitism, we are standing with the state of Israel, well, show me. Remember Jerry Maguire, I talked about where's the beef. Jerry Maguire, show me the, show me. Show me what you're doing. And so, what's happening is that they're not showing. So you you bring up a good point. You know, you can say whatever you want, but what are you doing? I'll take it a step further. Uh, I wrote this, you know, last week about Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And I'm really getting to dislike more and more because once you give him when he said with Roger Waters that it was a mistake, he didn't know that was fine. Then now came the discussion about the COVID with the Ashkenazic Jews. Then if you look at his first act was as a presidential candidate to pick Dennis Kucinich, who was criticized multiple times by the Jewish community by his words and votes. But I will give you this much. Everybody is entitled to speak. In fact, I want all them to speak because we find out more about them and where they think about Jews and anti-Semitism. But there again came Debbie Wasserman Schultz, Mitzla Dorvador, doing, and then of course now she has a new Jewish partner in New York, Dan Goldman, who sat and, and everybody watched it on all the media that was going to actually cover this. They actually showed the Jewish congressman going after and censoring him, Democrat versus Democrat. And I, I, I actually supported him over them from the party because we are a democracy. And that's another big problem. We have 
plenty, you know, I hear from a lot of people, there are so many Jews in the Biden administration. Yes, the Biden administration has more Jews in their cabinet and in senior positions than any other uh, cabinet or, you know, administration in history. But look who he has, Deborah Lipstadt, who's supposed to be his ambassador to fight anti-Semitism. All she does is alienate the Republican Party. This is a woman who made her name on college campuses because he brought up higher education when she wrote a book and had a movie made about her life on campus fighting somebody who denied the Holocaust. And yet she is working with people that want to deny the Holocaust now. Please explain it to me. You know, sometimes um, elected officials live in the neighborhood of make-believe. We make believe that these things don't exist. We make believe that they don't matter. And when they do, let's go back to the beginning. You mentioned Roger Waters. I can't help but tell you how embarrassed I am that Roger Waters can perform in all these different venues and arenas, can show up in a Nazi SS uniform, can project pigs with uh, the Star of David on them in his act, and somehow or other, there's no outcry. And you know what's embarrassing to me? It's embarrassing to me is that in Germany, the German people wanted to prosecute him for what he did. But in the United States, we turned the other cheek. We turned our head. The county executive in Nassau County wanted to stop him from performing. To his credit, Bruce Blakeman you know, protested it and and made his voice very loud. You talk specifically about freedom of expression. I don't think anybody is going to stifle somebody expressing themselves and expressing their ideas and what they would like to do or see. But you're entitled to your opinion to express it. You're not entitled to your own facts, which are either a pathological lies and political speak that have no basis in fact. So when you talk about some of these uh, leaders on a national level who have made a career on opportunism on the backs of the Jewish people and Zionism in the state of Israel and on, in some cases, anti-Semitism, you really got to ask the question, Please show me something quantifiable that you have done to put an end to it. And the problem is, if you were to ask that person and put them under oath, all you would hear is silence. Because I don't see where the effectiveness is. They don't, they don't do anything. And that's the problem. We go back to that concept of confusing motion with progress. You know, I sometimes feel in this battle, in this fight, that we're surrounded with people who are of like minds. They know that this is bad. They know that we have to do something about it. But when you bring some of those things to the table, what should we do? Raise penalties. Do we go after college campuses? Should we be giving them taxpayer funds when they are allowing this vile Jewish hatred to go unabated? Should we, as taxpayers, sit there and line the pockets of these institutions? Should we, we, you know, in New York State, we have laws that 
they're supposed to have Holocaust education and they're supposed to measure it and they're supposed to show it. I can point to you that I've spoken to numerous parent groups who feel that there hasn't been adequate Holocaust education and their children don't know anything about it. I actually know of a group in an organization that took, it was a chesed group out of a Jewish synagogue that went to a Holocaust museum. They took a tour. They heard from an educator that literally took them from exhibit to exhibit. And the kids had their jaws dropped because this was the first time they had been exposed to something that, that was that educational. Here's the point. The point is, we, we are supposed to have this type of education in our high schools. It's supposed to be reported. It's not. But what do we do? What do we do? We pass laws on a state level saying that it is absolutely critical. We're going to hold funding from schools if they don't change the name of their school mascot. Where are our priorities? This is not to say that if somebody calls their mascot, it is something that is offensive and hateful towards and towards the indigenous people. No question. But we're going to threaten funding from the school if they don't have that thing off their athletic field in a certain point in time. But we allow hate to go into the hallways. We allow Holocaust education not to be taught. And we pretend that it is. Why Why is there such a imbalance? What has happened? And part of the thing I would say, very respectfully, is that when it comes to the issues regarding anti-Semitism, Jew hatred, Israel, Zionism, etc., it's very easy to ignore it because the Jewish people and the institutions that are within the Jewish space, they're low to really find people accountable. What we do is we find something else. We go around it. We deal with it ourselves internally. What we need to do is be external. We have to, there have to be high profile casualties on a political level. When a Democrat, whether it's Dan Goldman, whether it's Richie, whether it's, think about it, Alexandria Ocasio or Cortez cried on the floor of the House of Representatives over the Patriot missile, not the, the uh, Iron Dome funding, excuse me, Iron Dome funding. She cried because the constituency was, was, was holding her accountable for it. But what does she do? She stands up and she boycotts the president of Israel speaking to the House of Representatives. Where is her indignation? Where is her anger? Where is her pointing the, where are her tweets towards Abbas? who doesn't have to go up for election, who has been president for life of the Palestinian Authority. Where is her indignation, her anger? Where is the squad screaming and yelling about LGBTQ plus people who are killed in some Muslim countries and Arab countries? Where is the accountability for what happens in some countries with human rights abuses? Can you imagine that some of the individuals we're talking about refer to Israel as an apartheid state? I mean, it's absolutely laughable. Menachem Begin, Sephardic prime minister. You have more people 
We have an elected official in Nassau County who's an Ethiopian Jew, a person of color. David Levy, who was a foreign minister. You have all of these different examples, yet a narrative on social media platforms projected out with no basis in fact has now what I would refer to as kidnapped the issue of anti-Semitism and Jew hatred and has made it into, I hate to say it, a modern day cause for what I would call the woke, the far left, in demonizing the people of the Jewish faith. And by the way, the far right too. The far right too. The Goyim Defense League, a lot of these different organizations have identified and targeted so I want to talk to you about a couple of things because you bring up so many good points. And I'm trying to take notes as you're saying, because every time you say something, I, say, I got to follow it up. Sure. Okay. First of all, you talk about Long Island. And Long Island is probably very unique in the New York State sense in that it's probably the strongest county in New York State. New York State. We happen to have a Jewish Republican county executive, and we have the first Orthodox Jewish Republican assemblyman. Mm-hmm. We have the first Ethiopian Jewish woman legislator, and we have multiple Jews in powerful positions. In other parts of New York, where there's dense Jewish communities like this, you have mostly Democrats, not Republican, number one. Number two, this, even though the show airs live in the tri-state area, but the people in New Jersey and Connecticut can relate to this in their Jewish communities. As a national who streams this, we have the mostly these dense Jewish communities in blue states, and they are ones that are run and mostly supporting blue candidates. Let's be realistic, Democrats. And the anti-Semitism in these areas is skyrocketing at levels that they have never seen before. I mean, living on Long Island most of my life, Almost all of my life, I can say this is the first time I am hearing people afraid to go out past eight o'clock at night. They are afraid to go to malls and, like you said, the playground in a densely Jewish populated area. People are saying that they are scared for the first time that I never heard scared before. Address that issue for me. You bring up a couple of very good points. One of the things that I feel is very important, um, especially in uh, inner cities, um, you mentioned New Jersey as one area and there are other um, highly dense populated Jewish uh, communities throughout the country, you know, in Maryland, you know, we could, we could go down the, the laundry list. Everywhere outside of Chicago, Skokie right. area, you have the Detroit Southfield, you, right. every single area where there is a densely Jewish population, most of the time it is run and supported by the Jews, by Democrats. And some of them even have Jewish elected officials who have been there for years. So the answer, the, the the short answer, and there's also a long answer, the short answer is the community leaders within each and every one of those communities have to impart and start to promote competition. Competition is what gets the very best, what I call government. In Nassau County specifically, uh, the chairman of the Republican Party, uh, Chairman Cairo, 
you know, went into, for example, North Hempstead, and instead of him choosing a candidate, he allowed the community to choose the candidate, which was very different. He allowed the community to bring individuals to the table. And that's how we received, uh, in this particular case, uh, Mazi Pilip, who's an Ethiopian uh, Jewish woman who ran for public office and beat an incumbent. I think what has to happen is there needs to be internal pressures. And the internal pressure is the following. You have to start to educate what I would refer to as the community leaders as to what is really happening. You have to tell them, are you aware that your representative is voting this way? Are you aware that there are these votes coming up, whether it is on Iron Dome, whether it is on foreign relations, whether it is on Elon Omar, whether it is on the President Herzog speaking to the House of Representatives, and you had several people. Now, let's be very real. Let's use a very real example. Jamal Bowman, under his previous redistricting, he represented an area that was represented by Elliot Engel that had very strong grassroots Jewish communities and neighborhoods. Under his new redistricting, those areas were taken out. Would Jamal Bowman dare, under the old lines, to not go to President Herzog's speech? You and I both know, and your listeners know, he would have been there front and center because he would have wanted to show his constituents, see, I'm clapping for the state of Israel. But now he doesn't have those communities. So what does he do? He's all in on the squad. So there has to be an internal pressure. I also think that the Jewish community has to, in some of these inner city areas, truly wake up and say, why aren't we choosing the candidates? Why isn't the president of one of our community organizations representing us in the state legislature? Why aren't they the city council person? Why is it the same people from the very clubhouses of what I would call some of these machine political organizations, whether it's in Chicago or Baltimore or New Haven or wherever it is? Why are they choosing the, why are they choosing the candidates? So the real thing that must happen is the Republican Party has to be smarter, too. They need to go into these community areas. They have to start to have conversations with them. Um, one of the wonderful things that happened in New York State, which I do believe, and I give a lot of credit to, and I'm very proud of him, Lee Zeldin went to communities that never voted Republican in their lives. He went into the Chinese communities. He went into Brooklyn. He went anywhere that would would host him, listen to him. He showed up. He showed up. And the votes reflect that. So, you know, it takes two. We just can't say to a community, give us the candidate. We have to show that we're serious too and that we are willing to do what needs to be done as well. Well, I tell people all the time, go find out who your committee members are. Go find out who your county representatives are. Go make a meeting with your county chairs. They want to meet you. And people look at me like I'm crazy. But the best example I can give you is that in June, when we had primaries, where it was mostly Democrats, actually, because New York State's mostly a Democratic state, out of the potential, I think, of two, uh, wait, was it like 7 million potential voters in both parties? I think 200,000 came out. So even though people are looking at some of the victories and stuff, I'm telling people, 
this is going to become more of a this if the way it is now it's it's going to be more of a one party system not less unless people get with it with the program stop being so apathetic and feeling sorry for yourself and start to do the little things like getting out and vote and meeting the candidates early on meet the local ones who are going to impact 2024 you brought up Jamal Bauman which I want to bring up something before I forget this week another radical left black man who probably if elected would never vote along the lines that the Jewish constituents would want just has put his uh, name and that's Kevin Thomas into running against Anthony D'Esposito in the primary and the way the party is being structured right now the progressives are getting more and more power and the moderates are getting less. And with the money that Hakeem Jeffries wants to spend in New York, more Jewish communities are bound to get, unless they wake up to what's going on, more of these progressive radicals and more potential squad members. I mean, it happened in Pittsburgh with uh, Congresswoman Lee. Why did Pittsburgh, after that uh, synagogue massacre, decide to elect a woman who had openly spoken against the Jewish people and against Israel multiple times. Well, I think let's go back to the first part of of your comment, which is, which is very insightful. Uh, I will slightly correct one uh, particular fact. Kevin Thomas is Indian. um, And it's very interesting that he chose to announce against uh, Congressman D'Esposito. You and I both know the congressman quite well. He has a very high profile and he uh, he's already been to Israel. He has walked the walk on Jewish issues. And I think that uh, they're going to have a hell of uh, a fight on their hands because uh, Anthony D'Esposito has a really strong record already. But you bring up an interesting point. You have... uh, very socialist, very far left people who believe that they have an open and free lane to run for Congress and that they're going to receive support from the Democratic Party establishment, particularly in this race. I think I think that they're making a very huge mistake because I believe that Jewish constituencies, especially, you know, Long Island has really started to. Uh, look at candidates very, very closely. They look to see who is voting the correct way when it comes to their issues. And it's not just the issues of Israel uh, and Jewish causes. It is about public safety. It is about crime. It is about quality of life. It is about cashless bail. It is about access to quality health care. It is about having schools that teach and not indoctrinate. And I think that in the Long Island cases, everybody says, why did Long Island go red the way it did? It shouldn't have gone red. You know, uh, Leader Jeffries, uh, you know, likes to talk, talk all the time about, you know, they're not representing the people. Well, guess what? When you have cashless bail and you have crime that runs amok and you have elected officials like a Congressman D'Esposito or a Bruce Blakeman, or you have what I would refer to as a governmental structure that realizes these policies don't work. 
when you have a Democratic Party who has been kidnapped, held hostage, and uh, and cannot get out from underneath a far-left ideology, you know, people say, and I agree with this, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, there are going to be two political parties, the socialists and the normal people. And the normal people are starting to figure out that why do we have all these tens of millions of dollars being spent on television telling us why we should vote for this person or that person? People are starting to get really educated. Jewish voters also have to be educated to hold those people accountable. Kevin Thomas, Kevin Thomas was one of those individuals that was part of the cashless bail fiasco. He's a part of the, he's part of the crew that wants to build high rise housing in residential neighborhoods near train stations where you have so many people. The population density is so high. Can you imagine? You know, think about this. The five towns in Long Island, the Great Neck Peninsula, you can go up and down uh, what I would refer to the Sunrise Highway Corridor, the Hempstead Turnpike Corridor, or the Jericho Turnpike Corridor in the different environments and say, we want high-rise housings in some of these areas. They're bursting at the seams. Kevin Thomas, whether or not he says, oh, I'm against it, and he can bang his fist, but at the end of the day, if the governor tells him what to do, he does what the governor does. Correct. And that's a big issue also that I tell people. With the even when you have the best of the best Republican leadership on a local level, the state and the federal level level are so progressive Democrat that an example is if someone want, gets arrested in Nassau County, right away it goes to the state, they could overturn it. And that's why you have to start local and build up. The other thing I want to say, and we've already gone way over, I'm going to actually let us use the time for my introduction so that we could finish this because it's such an engaging conversation. We were talking about the Democrats who are elected officials, even the Jewish ones. Very interesting. And this is something that ties back to Richie Torres. You and I both happen to have been at the same event and we met Congressman August Fluger of Texas and... He was the one who created and then got the co-sponsorship from the two Jewish Republican congressmen, uh, Max Miller and uh, David Kustoff. And they were the three main sponsors. Notice, three Republicans. Wasn't a Jew. Wasn't Debbie Wasserman Schultz. It wasn't Josh Gottheimer who constantly calls himself the common sense. And what's going on in Long Island is happening in Englewood and Teaneck. And these people starting to wake up. What is Josh doing besides a lot of talk? Go ahead. I think it is. I think it's a lot of talk. Let's talk about the resolution. August Fluger puts a resolution on the floor of the House of Representatives saying that Israel is not a racist state and shows strong support for the state of Israel. I think... You know, I'm I'm very thankful to the congressman for doing it. And I am it, it makes me feel good that we do have supporters like this. But at the same time, it horrifies me that we have to do this. Correct. And I then, totally agree with you. And then and defend then, this. Yeah. And then what's worse is you had individuals 
not only vote against it, proudly voted against it. And when Nikki Haley, I give her a lot of credit, when Nikki Haley tweeted and put up the list of individuals that voted against it, what did AOC do? She retaliated using a snarky comment saying, ooh, a list. It wasn't a snarky comment. You know how I looked at it? It was a fact. I just exactly. said Exactly. Not only was it a fact, but guess what? She held you accountable for it. And she let everybody know what you and your cohorts did. And that, that takes us back to the beginning of this conversation. And that's where I'm going to end. So you listen. That's action act- and accountability. And you're going to be coming back again very soon. We've got to continue this conversation because there's so much more here. But it's a great discussion opening for what really needs to be done because you and I both know, and we are political. I would love to have a two-party system with checks and balances. Personally, I think it's very important because I don't want the extreme right to take get advantages because the Republicans are so strong right now on on uh, Israel and uh, the Jewish people and supporting legislation for uh, anti-Semitism, you know, fighting anti-Semitism. Scott, we went way past, but <laughs> I'm so glad we were able to do this. Uh, where can our audience find you? Well, I write for the Times of Israel. Uh, and I write uh, several pieces uh, throughout the year so they can follow me uh, if they go to the Times of Israel website and I'm a columnist there. I'm also on Instagram. They can catch me on there as well. But uh, thank you so much, Cindy, for having me on. It's always a pleasure. And uh, if we can if we can uh, change a few minds and get a few more people to make a phone call or two or show up at a rally, guess what? We've done our job. And the next time you come on, we're actually going to talk about that. That was a, my whole other topic that we didn't even hit on, coalition building. Because many common sense people who think like you and I do that aren't Jewish are facing the same struggles the Jewish people are, and mm-hmm. they want to work with us. And we want to work with them. Asian community being one, the Indian community, and the African-American community. All Absolutely. Three. Especially African-American men are coming out in numbers and uh fighting anti-Semitism because they feel that they are being attacked the same way the Jews are in the Democratic Party. Scott Cushing, again, thank you so much. Have a good day. I'm Brian Schultz, founder of the Freshwater Pearl Company. I created the company to honor my mom's legacy and her 19-year journey with breast cancer. I watched all the support she needed along her journey, and it was on my heart to find a way to give back and support other women and families experiencing breast cancer as well. Giving back is a big part of what we do. We donate 2% of our gross online sales to support many nonprofit organizations like Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, the American Cancer Society, and Runway for Recovery, to name a few. To help support our mission of giving back, please keep the Freshwater Pro Company in mind this month when you need a gift for a friend, family, or loved one. We have many pieces on sale this month and have also curated a number of prepackaged combo sets and gift ideas. We have packages made from our most popular pearl types, ranging from Baroque freshwater pearls to coin pearls, as well as our unique and stylish Keshi pearls for all types of budgets and design. You can shop our combo packages and gift ideas at thefreshwaterpearlcompany.com. Thank you for supporting both our mission and our business.
Welcome back to the show. Before we close, I just want to be the first to tell you, if you haven't heard, that there is a special election in District 27, Queens, this September for the open seat of assembly that Dan Rosenthal vacated. Now, the area in District 27 involves Kew Garden Hills and parts of uh, Whitestone, and most of the district is composed of Jews, especially Orthodox Jews, and Asians, the two groups that are most targeted with hate crimes in New York, that in the last few elections voted more for Curtis Lewa. Lee Zeldin overwhelmingly won that area over Kathy Hochul, and President Trump over President Biden in 2020. So joining us now is the uh, front runner for the Republican and conservative uh, endorsements for the seat, Dovid Hirsch. He is an Orthodox Jew, and he is joining the list of traditional religious Jews running uh, for statewide and local elections. And he is, I believe this is his first interview in the tri-state area. So, Dovi, thank you so much for joining the Jewess Patriot. Thank you very much, Cindy. You are no stranger to Queen's Republican politics as you have worked on multiple campaigns since 2011, including working with Bob Turner, Lee Zeldin. Uh, you've worked with... Um, many of the uh, candidates in both of those parties, and you are involved in the Jewish community there. Tell us a little bit about why you want to run in this election. Well, part of the reason why I want to run is there are many issues affecting our community, and from the rise in crime, particularly with the bail reform that's resulted in catch and release of many dangerous criminals, We've had criminals who have committed multiple robberies released back on the streets, and even in cases, hate crimes and released back on the streets. We've seen the state recently launch attacks against religious private schools, trying to bring them under the heel of the state. And these are very important issues to me, as well as many other issues. And with the current Democrat control in Albany, I feel that as a Republican, we could send a message Albany that people are not happy with the direction the Democrats are taking New York and hopefully enough moderate Democrats will wake up and start to scale back some of these legislations that are being pushed by the far left. Well, I will tell you as somebody who's working statewide and nationwide in areas very similar to ours in New York, on Long Island, in in the five boroughs, uh, people Candidates are looking from both parties to the religious Jewish community for support. And we are going to make a big difference in the 2023 local elections and in the 2024 congressional and presidential elections because we are coming out in force. We are looking at common sense candidates and we are tired of the continuation of being taken for granted by the Democratic Party. 
Interestingly enough, I believe that the Democrats have also picked an Orthodox Jew. It has been held by an Orthodox Jew, young also. But I think people are starting to wake up that the moderate Orthodox Jews that come into these uh, seats, whether or not it's assembly or council or even congressional, don't have power while the Republicans are gaining in numbers throughout the state, throughout the tri-state, and throughout the country because we are building a big coalition. How do you uh, feel about what I just said? Well, a lot of that is, you know, is very much on point. The Orthodox community has been taken for many years by to, uh, for granted by the Democrat Party. And in recent years, as we saw with Assemblyman Brown out in Nassau and Councilwoman Vernikov in Brooklyn that people are not necessarily happy. Lee Zeldin won the Orthodox Jewish vote is a vote that is willing to vote Republican. We've also seen with the Asian community similar. So it's a community that the Democrats have taken for granted, but it's not one that Republicans could take for granted that they will switch either. It's going to be a tough battleground community, but it is one that we can swing and win. And the Democrats are putting up an Orthodox Jew. And the two previous people who have held this seat have been Orthodox Jewish Democrats, the late Michael Simanowitz and his replacement, Daniel Rosenthal. So the Democrats understand this district. They understand the demographics and they're planning accordingly. Well, but like I said, this is not the may he rest in peace Samanowitz's uh, assembly. I mean, no, of course it's, not. I, it's, it's changed a lot since then. Correct. Tell us how you plan to build coalitions among the Jewish constituents in your district and the non-Jewish ones, because that's a question I'm asked a lot. Well, it's mostly the very same strategy meet with people on the street, meet with leaders in different segments of the community and present to them why our agenda is better suited for them than the Democrat Party. I know many of them, you know, feel that, you know, the Democrats control Albany, but as people remember, just several years back, Republicans controlled the state Senate and that Albany could change again. But it's more reaching out to each community and explaining how the policies that I support is going to benefit them and building a coalition and listening to people and hearing feedback from community leaders and from people on the street, because perhaps people may not necessarily agree with everything I support, but to try to build a common ground on mutual issues that we're all in alignment but it's going to have to heavily rely on the people on the street and feedback from the community. Where can our audience reach out to you, uh, volunteer for you, and uh, donate to your campaign? Because money is going to be a very big issue. Special elections go always get a lot of attention from both sides because it's the only you know race in the game. As of now, we're still setting those things up, but I will provide you with the information as soon as I have it. Uh, so if anybody wants any information, they can reach out to me and I will get it to Dovid. Again, it's Dovid Hirsch. It's District 27 in Queens. It's a special election. And everybody I know, who you know, even if they don't live in your district, 
as a family member, a friend. They go shopping. They go to one of the restaurants on Main Street. Everybody knows just how important that area is and how we can pick up a very important seat, another Republican Orthodox Jew. And I can tell you, knowing Ari Brown, that he has been working tirelessly on issues, crossing the aisle when necessary, and working with his non-Jewish other assemblymen there that uh, are really talking common sense, safe streets, police, law enforcement, quality education, bringing down our taxes, and of course the illegal immigrants that the Democrats want to keep filling our communities with. Thank you so much, Dovey, for joining the Jewess Patriot. Thank you very much for having me. And as people know, even if you don't live in the district, you could still donate, you could still volunteer. You don't have to live in the district for those. Every person's little bit of help goes a long way. Thank you for having me, Cindy. Your American Patriot, DJ Drew Shelton. You are listening to the Jewess Patriot with Cindy Gross. Hey, thank you so much for hanging out with us on this final day, uh, final Sunday, I guess I should say, of July, right? So we're running short on time. Not going to play you an entire song today, but just going to play you the chorus of this song. It's called Be a Light. Make sure you look it up, but that's what we need to do. We need to be a light in this world. I end the show each week. Three simple things to change the worldview. Love someone, be kind, and choose joy. See ya. In a world full of hate, be alive. When you do somebody wrong, make it right. Don't hide in the dark. This is Cindy Gross, the Jewess Patriot. I look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks for watching the Jewess Patriot Show with Talk Radio's premier Jewish activist, Cindy Gross. Be sure to download Cindy's next program as well as previous ones available internationally on iHeartRadio, Spotify, and in Israel on Jewish Podcasts. See you next time on the Jewess Patriot Show.